and, and certainly marketing requires creativity in that you need to have at least something to start with to test and you need to be able to be creative enough to realize when something's not working so well how do you pivot to something that maybe would work better learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape this is digital marketing masters with matt and carrie rouse Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Joe Kaufman, and he is responsible for introducing three married couples and countless business relationships, and in early 2014, he parlayed his passion for connecting people and founded Setup, which is setup.us, and you are a marketing matchmaker. Joe, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you, Matt? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing fantastic. I'm welcome for being on. And thank you for the short notice, by the way. I know I was like, hey, uh, we had somebody postpone our recording. You want to jump on? And you're like, I'm in. 90% of success is showing up, Matt. That's right. You know, not to get sidetracked in the first 30 seconds, but I was talking to somebody yesterday and we were talking about how people say, oh, well, you know, that guy was lucky in his business kind of thing. And I go, yeah, he was lucky, but he went to like every speech, every presentation, everything everybody asked him to do for a decade. And then their company got $16 million in funding. You know, it's not like he's like, and it was everybody says he's lucky because the guy was sitting next to him on the plane was a guy who invested in his company. But he wouldn't have been on the plane if he didn't go to do the presentation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, and he probably had 78 of those conversations before one of them finally paid off. Right. And it's just amazing how people are, are they're just like, oh, well, I, I wish I could get luck like that guy. And then they sit on the couch. <laughs> That's a perfect segue when we get into what I do, because there, there's a there's one component that you prepare for. And there's another component that happens because of your preparation. Well, why don't we get right into it? What is business matchmaking? So romantic matchmaking, the components of a romantic match are compatibility and chemistry, right? Compatibility is on paper, is there a good match? And then chemistry is when you meet, do the sparks fly? And for business matchmaking, it's a little different in that it's not compatibility, it's more capability and then chemistry. So should I back up and give you a little bit more about setup and what we do? Yeah. So why don't, why don't you talk to us about what setup is and what what is the problem that you're solving? So you mentioned in the in the intro that there are three couples that have married as a result of me introducing them to each other. So my last gig running marketing and business development for a large agency, we got bought and I really wanted to leverage that matchmaking skill and that I really loved into a business. And for me, it was always more about connecting the brand and the agency together than it was about building a website or doing SEO or doing, you know, social or, or PR or anything else. And so my business setup is this is focused on connecting brands and marketing agencies together. And to answer your question in a long way, the challenge that we're solving is that most brands struggle to find a marketing agency that's truly qualified to solve their specific business challenge. And they often rely on just asking friends if, if they know of agencies or relying on agencies that they worked with in the past. And that's a pretty limited worldview 
in terms of all of the potential agencies that could solve the problem. So what we do is we listen to the brand and the problems that they're facing and sort of document the challenges and verify with the brand person, the marketer, that the those are in fact their biggest needs. And then we connect them with several agencies that are qualified to do the work. And the reason we connect them with, let's call it three or four different agencies, all three or four agencies are highly qualified. But the reality is when a brand or a marketer is making a decision about who to work with, they there's the compatibility piece, right? Or, or the capability piece. And then there's the chemistry piece. And so we're giving the brand person or the marketer a chance to choose the one that meshes best with their team, the one that they have chemistry with. Yeah. And that's, I think, a big problem that's not really addressed very much, especially in the small business world, is that the average small business owner or, you know, if you're in real estate or mortgage or something like that, right, where you're kind of a solo business owner or maybe you have a small team your business is whatever it is that you're good at doing, right? Like if you're a real estate agent, then real estate is your business. Knowing all of the different types of digital marketing software and all of the things that go along with it, considering that most agencies don't even know all the things the other agencies know. Yeah. I mean, it's almost impossible for a business and owner to even know it's possible. So how are they supposed to choose when they don't even understand any of the technology or any of the possibility, Right. Absolutely. Well, and while we don't work with too many small businesses, we're mostly working with larger companies that, that have you know gaps in marketing. But the reality is there are two main reasons why a brand or a small business or a company would hire a marketing firm. One is capacity. They just don't have enough arms and legs to do the work. They're, they're, you know, if you're a marketing team of one or a marketing team of one half, or even, you know, even if you have a couple people on your marketing team, you just don't have the capacity to do everything you'd like to accomplish. And then the other is capability. You're just missing some specific skill or knowledge or talent that is crucial. So, for example, we work with companies sometimes that, they're great at social media and they're great at web design and development, but they don't know anything about email marketing or marketing automation. And so they would look for an agency that's really good at marketing automation and email marketing or their marketing team is slim, particularly in the days of COVID where, you know, there've been furloughs and layoffs and things. So, so marketing teams are slimmed down and in some cases, that doesn't negate the importance of marketing to the growth of the company. There are just fewer people to do the work. And so that's a capacity thing where you may look to an agency to fill that gap to you know, get it done. Yeah. When you get into companies that are larger, you know, when we say larger, I'd say, you know, maybe more than 20, 30 employees kind of an up from there. Kind of these larger companies, a lot of times what happens is they've got you know, a CMO, maybe a few people in their marketing organization, they have the tasks that they're kind of used to doing. And then another kind of tactic or or channel becomes available or that they they say, hey, this is we've identified that this is a channel we want to go into. For example, something like maybe OTT programming, right? Like we want to start having ads on Hulu and Amazon Prime and, and, and places like this that our marketing team knows absolutely nothing about. We don't have the knowledge, we don't have the experience, we don't have the equipment, we don't have the contacts, you know, we don't have the software 
So I think that is a good place where someone like setup would come in, right? Because then you could find that make the match yeah. that they need to get somebody who's in maybe that OTT space. So, so, so some of the agencies we work with are specialists that are focused on one particular area of expertise. And some are generalists where they are good at a lot of different things. And there are some pluses and minuses for hiring different kinds of agencies. The kinds of, you know, you may want a generalist because you need a lot of different things and, and, you are willing to trade some level of expertise, of discipline expertise, for having a single point of contact that you that knows your business extremely well. And then for other businesses, they may work with several different agencies that are each experts at one or two things with the goal of, I'm willing to manage multiple agencies to get best of breed expertise. Right. So if they want the best of the best for each separate channel, or if you want someone who's just going to handle everything from our perspective, for our agency, we generally work with smaller businesses. We have a lot of single owner businesses that we work with and they want someone to hand off the whole thing, right? Like be our marketing department. And that's kind of where we excel, especially in kind of the e-commerce space, we have a lot of businesses that are maybe, you know, all of their staff are in like the fulfillment area, right? They're good at making their product. They're good at getting their product out to the customer. They may not be so good at the awareness piece, right? So let me ask you this then. And this maybe this is, is I wouldn't say off topic, but how did you come up with the idea that this was an issue that needed to be solved? So going way back, I, I spent my first years out of my career in retail and then eight years at a dot com and we, we got we got acquired and then six years at the agency. But when I joined the agency, we were a small digital shop that then got acquired by a full service agency. So we went from a you know, small digital shop to being part of a 250 person full service agency. And then we got acquired by one of the massive, massive holding companies, which was Publicis Group. And, and we became part of, you know, a global agency and working with the three different sizes of agency, small digital shop, full size, medium size agency and full service, you know, giant holding company. It became clear that most agencies, while they delivered great marketing for their clients are not fantastic at marketing themselves and their agencies. And at the same time, marketers really struggle to find an agency that's been well vetted and, you know, that, that can solve the problems that they're facing. And so I saw that discrepancy or that disparity between the brands are looking for great agencies and marketers looking for great agencies and great agencies are looking for new clients. And so it just made sense to me to connect them and then get out of the way. Our model is that we're paid a monthly retainer by the agencies to connect on an ongoing basis with potential clients. And so the, the value to the, the marketer is that we can recommend several agencies that are a good fit to solve their problem and they don't have to pay anything for our services because we're paid by the agencies. And, uh, and from the agency's perspective, they look at us as an extension of their business development team because, 
you know, usually they'll take the introduction that we give them. And there is some amount of work to go from the, sure, I'd talk to that agency to the, I'm ready to sign an, an agreement to get going. And so we work best with agencies that have somebody who's ultimately responsible for moving that person who might be interested in their agency all the way to where they're ready to sign an agreement. Right. So it's like having an agent when you're, you know, like a sports figure or a celebrity or something, right? Somebody's going out to drive business for you, get you on that HBO roast or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so let me let me ask you this. So what are what are some of the holes you see for companies in their marketing that's common for them to look for an agency or maybe that you suggest to them? I mean, most companies, I think they understand that they need a good website. They understand kind of SEM, kind of inbound marketing or SEO stuff. A lot of them understand email marketing or maybe some marketing automation tools. Um, you know, your Infusionsoft, Salesforce, HubSpot, whatever, right? But I think outside of that, is there a lot of like maybe a common thing that that businesses are not doing that you find is kind of maybe new or something that they're just not good at? Yeah. Oh, the short answer to that question is I think it depends on uh, the size of the company, how big those holes are in, in competency. Larger companies tend to have more staff that are good at a lot of different things in marketing than smaller companies. It's a jack of all trades where they're, they're just good at some things and not so good at some things. But we found that we get inquiries from businesses for all areas of marketing. For example, we worked recently with a really large national retailer that said, I'm looking for a Hispanic marketing agency that can help us particularly market to the Hispanic audiences here in the United States that are customers at their stores, which is different than maybe a general marketing audience, just, you know, might, might be in Spanish language, might be in English, but we have clients that come to us and, and ask for specific, you know, email marketing or social media or brand work or PR or TV even. But we're finding one area that's been huge is just content creation, which can mean a lot of different things. But generally, we've found that these days, every company has to become a publisher to be successful. And the reality is very few brands have the budget of a company like Red Bull. You know, Red Bull paid a guy to put on a squirrel suit and jump from space down to the earth so they would have a piece of content that they could use to market Red Bull. And most of us can't afford to pay a guy to jump from space. So leveraging a marketing agency to help create the content that you use for marketing has been an area where we found, you know, a lot of a lot of brands and marketers are looking for that support. And the format of that content can be all across the board. I mean, sometimes it's written content, sometimes it's video content, sometimes it's infographics or memes or you know, so so what I'll call social media content versus stuff that maybe would live on on the TV or on your website or somewhere else. And also finding and telling the stories that are important to your business and more importantly to your consumer. But to your point, Matt, I think for any company, keep what you're good at in-house. So if you're good at telling those stories, you don't need help with that. 
if you're good at email, you don't need help with that. But generally, we're not so good at, you know, as humans, we're really good at some things and really bad at some things. So seek help for the areas where you're really bad. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. I mean, a lot of companies, I think, especially right now, kind of during coronavirus time, there's like different areas of different countries have different kinds of quarantine limits or they have limits on the number of people that can be at events and things like that. Uh, I know in Oregon, it's really small right now. I think it's 25 is the most you can have, like maybe 50 outdoors, you know, 10 in a small space. You can't have, you know, these giant events anymore. I think a lot of the bigger companies especially would have these big events that they were doing. I remember there was one company, their biggest marketing event they do. This is a local company. Every year is they do they do a parade. Well, you can't have a parade with people lying in the streets. And that was their marketing event of the year. That's basically how they got all of their lead generation, right? So I think that a lot of companies are kind of scratching their heads right now saying, well, what are we going to do without these large scale events that we're used to doing? And they've got all their staff in place to do these trade shows, to do these events, to do, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And now... They're looking at something that has a completely different core competency, like moving to virtual events or something like that. Yeah, well, I, I can give you a good example. One of the agencies that we work with did put on some pretty significant events for clients. And as soon as coronavirus hit, they pivoted to produce virtual events. And one of their this is a perfect example of a really strong pivot they never would have targeted this vertical for their regular lives as, as an agency. But one of the areas that they really said we can go after is virtual graduations for universities and high schools. And they ended up getting hired to do several very significant. I mean, you know, one of the graduation events that they did was for a university that has a campus in Tokyo, one in Atlanta where, where I'm, I live and also one in Savannah, Georgia. And they did this massive graduation where the students could upload a personal video onto their page. Think like, you know, you had your own yearbook pages kind of thing, but they had guest speakers that were incrementally more prominent than they probably could have gotten as a school, but it was a little easier to get them to just, you know, come in via video for the platform. So they built out this platform and then produced this massive graduation event and were able to make some really good profit from putting on that event and replace a large portion of that income they were losing, not being able to produce live events. They also can even do things like ship you uh, microphones, cameras, script lights to help you produce your event virtually remotely. Yeah, I think that virtualization of, of live events is going to be a big thing going forward. Even if let's say like somebody comes out with a, a magic vaccine or something that just completely wipes out coronavirus, I think virtual events are still going to be huge in the future. I don't know if you agree with me on that or not, but yeah. Also, we're finding that generally we're having more conversations with more senior marketers, marketing leaders who maybe wouldn't have given us the meeting in person, but are more willing to talk now because they don't have to get into a car and drive to the coffee shop or restaurant and all of that. And, you know, giving them, giving us a half hour conversation or 15 minute conversations a lot easier via 
you know, Zoom or Google Meet or something like that than it would have been in person. And so, you know, I think you're right that there are elements of the digitization of of our world that are going to stay even after we can shake hands again in person. Yeah. And I think also a lot of I think a lot of in-person interaction is going to be like more valued. Right. So, man, I really love predicting the future, so I'm going to keep doing it. But so there's been a trend kind of in the I'm going to say younger, but it's not strictly younger people getting together to do things like play board games together or play like Dungeons and Dragons or something. Right. They're to do things where people gather together in small groups. And that was kind of a huge thing. Right. Like board games are bigger than ever. In-person tabletop games are, are bigger than ever. Kind of small group events have been bigger than ever. All this kind of stuff had started happening and then kind of coronavirus hit and then everybody had to kind of go back inside. Now people are out walking with their families that they didn't used to do, you know, or they're going out hiking and they're doing all these things. I think people are saying, you know, look, I can instead of having to spend all my time commuting to the office or doing this or that or having endless in-person meetings, I can just have those four special occasions that need it. And and I think it's going to be more valued. And I think that kind of like the person who can go out and do the in-person sales call is going to be like a huge benefit in the future. Whereas, you know, right now, you know, companies are like closing their offices, right? Or they're downsizing their office space, you know, because employees aren't going to be there. I think that, yeah, access is going to be easier because it's going to be easier to get somebody on. Just like on the podcast, I've gotten guests I don't think I could have ever got if they weren't stuck at home. We did an event early in COVID. I had three speakers to do a panel discussion and I was moderating the discussion. And we had the chief marketing officer of Citrix Systems, which is a remote work software tool, you know, company. We had the chief marketing officer for Piedmont Healthcare, which is a huge hospital system here in the Southeast. And we had the chief consumer officer for Kellogg's, the Kellogg company. And we had a great discussion about how, you know, COVID was impacting their business and impacting their marketing and that kind of thing. And we, we've successfully taken what we're We used to do a marketer's breakfast quarterly where we invited a bunch of marketers to mingle with each other for breakfast. And we've done, I think, a pretty good job at setup of of moving to digital events. We, We did the second one. We had 14 different agencies each do a single case study. They each had four minutes to present one case study. And it was, you know, a mad dash to get through 14 agencies in an hour and a half. But then we're hosting an event on September 17th, which is a we're going to have a a brief fireside kind of chat speaker. But then we're going to break people into individual rooms, into breakout rooms where they'll have much more interpersonal connection, which is something that I think we've been missing. You know, while it's harder to do in-person events, there are ways that you can make events more personal, even if they're still digital. And the purpose of the speaker at the beginning, we actually got the chief marketing officer for the Atlanta Hawks, which is you know our, our hometown NBA team. But the purpose of her talking at the beginning with me is literally just to give the people in the breakout rooms a topic of conversation so that, that it's not an awkward meeting within the breakout rooms. They, if they have nothing else to talk about, they can talk about what she said and, and the conversation that we just. You know what I also noticed with, I mean, a lot of people have all of your networking events or business networking, chambers of commerce, that kind of stuff. All their events have gone to Zoom, right? Or some, you know, Zoom clone. And 
or they're on Skype or, you know, Microsoft Teams or something or Citrix, you know, that you mentioned. But it's very similar, I find, to like radio and TV, where if there's like silence for even just like four or five seconds, it's like deafening silence, right? It's like like if you and I were on the podcast, if there's if if we stop talking for a few seconds, my sound guy would automatically chop that out. He would be like, nope. I don't want three seconds of silence in the middle of the podcast, right? But you're on a Zoom channel. Like I was on one this morning before we started recording today. And, uh, you know, they were like, okay, so does anybody have any like shout outs or questions or, or any needs or anything? And then it was just silence for like 15 seconds and everybody was just like staring at their screen and it just felt so awkward, right? Yeah, it's just, it's weird that when you're on a medium, you know, like looking at a screen or something, you're used to. It, uh, the audio is cons- constantly going like a radio or a TV program where you wouldn't have those kind of awkward silences. There's always something going on. But because you're looking at it on a screen and then you're in a meeting or something and it gets silent, normally, you know, that wouldn't be a big deal if you're sitting around a table. But when you're looking at it on a screen, it just seems super awkward. I don't know if you found that. Anyway, I did. So let me ask you this question. Oh, I was, I, come on. I, you, you were playing along. Man. Do, you want me, do you want me to have the silence? I was having the awkward silence. That's all right. Dan's going to cut it out anyway. Oh, man. Come <laughs> on. We're on a roll. All right. We'll leave it in. Dan, leave that in for us, okay? Dan, leave the silence in. Daniel D. Craig is our sound guy. He has, he has to put D in it because everybody, if he's Dan Craig, yeah, everybody. He was Bond, right? I know everybody thinks he's the actor if you use the name. I was like, wow, you got Dan Craig on your on your podcast? That's great. <laughs> I don't even know what I would ask someone who's an actor or something. I'm just totally not into the I don't know. I'm I'm not a, a pop culture person, I guess. Because that's what happens when you're just a huge nerd. You just gonna don't get into the pop culture that much, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm, I I follow it a little bit through my kids and that's about it. Yeah, my daughter's only four, so the only stuff that she knows in is think people that are popular on youtube like a for adley and ryan's world and see i've never even heard of those so i told you i'm behind well you know what it's amazing the stuff because you know the world is, is kind of splintered because of the internet into instead of one humongous you know kind of mainstream market and a couple small markets it's now millions of small markets and they seem small but a for Adley, I think, has 2.4 million followers, right? I mean, they're, they're a massive. They probably make tens of thousands of dollars a week off of their shows. Ryan's World, I think he made, I don't know, $70 million or something last year between their merchandising and their YouTube ads and all that kind of stuff. And these are shows that most people haven't ever heard of, right? Yeah, well, I think that you're bringing up actually a really good concept within marketing, which is there are now tribes of, when I say tribes, there are new segments that have been created that never were created in the past. So you might have in the past marketed to a demographic, you know, we're looking for upper income people that live in a certain area that, you know, et cetera, or we're looking for, but, but there are all these micro tribes that have formed around affinity. So you may, you know, you may be a huge flower arranger person, you know, or you may be, you know, people who are into Mini Coopers, it's a, is a micro tribe that may, from a demographic standpoint, look very diverse, right? It may be different ethnicities, different financial 
socioeconomic groups and classes, regions of the country, et cetera, et cetera. But Mini Cooper people are Mini Cooper people, no matter where you are and what your station in life might be. So that's been fascinating from a marketing perspective is how do you uncover your tribe that's specific to whatever it is you're selling or, or trying to accomplish? Yeah, and there's there's kind of a new sector in the marketing world that I, I think has been pretty much coined the term as, as audience intelligence. You know, looking at stuff like SparkTuro is a tool for audience intelligence and stuff like that, where you can go mini Cooper and you hit enter and it will basically come back and tell you where all the communities that people who are interested in mini Coopers hang out, right? Help you with targeting and things like that. You know, so there's there's ways that being able to find those things. The other thing is, is like AI driven advertising systems are really good at finding those small communities. So that's your Facebook, Instagram, that kind of stuff. But yeah, the whole splintering of the internet into all these kind of smaller communities is something that I think most businesses have have not even considered to start tackling at this point. You know, unless they're really large businesses or they're really tight marketing organizations, I think most of them are still saying, how can I just get the word out to people about my thing instead of how can I design the information and, and the marketing that I have separately for each community. Yeah. Well, I, I listened to one of your previous podcasts was a, a gentleman from the UK that was focused on account-based marketing. And I love the idea of starting with one or two, you know, in other words, test your message on a very small group and a very small segment before you decide to roll it out to thousands of people. And don't worry about finding thousands of people. Worry about starting with, you know, start small and test and learn and then grow from there. Good example was we we decided at Setup that we wanted to be a guest on some more podcasts. And so somebody on my team messaged people that host podcasts like you, Matt, and said, hey, we'd love to be a guest on your podcast. And we started with a couple of folks and we got some good response and then we sent it to a couple more and, and, and we're tweaking the message as we go. But we're getting some, you know, traction with that if that's one of our goals. And I'd say the same applies particularly for small businesses. You know, start small with a CRM, which is get to know your customers, put them in a spreadsheet for all I care, you know, start small and, and then, They'll they'll guide you as you try to expand and grow to the next phase based on what you learn from those first couple of customers. Yeah. And, you know, talking about learning about your customers, something that's super interesting that comes up all the time in our work is when we set up ad campaigns to target different groups of people. Generally, the groups that the business owner thought were going to be the most popular aren't. And usually the ads that they say that they think are not going to work are the ones who, that work the best. And what I've found from that is it's not necessarily that they don't know their customers. It's that they haven't tested different types of content against them. So they're always saying, well, this, this pigeonhole is my type of customer and this type of stuff, which is the only thing I've ever tried, is what works with them, right? There's no testing. We've been testing right now, for example, we've been doing some LinkedIn advertising for setup, looking for people that are marketing leaders that might be interested in hiring an agency. 
And we're testing two different campaigns, if you will, two different types of message, two different pieces of content that we're featuring in that message. And we're also testing like life, what I'll call lifestyle imagery and graphical imagery. So one image might have people hanging out working together and one image might be more of a you know, geometrical shape or pattern or something like that. And again, to your point, I predicted what I thought would be the winner and for each of the two campaigns. And I've been wrong in some cases and right in some cases. You know, I think as a marketer, we have to iterate and learn, test, learn, iterate from there because gut isn't the best way to predict what's going to work. It's true, especially on social media. Yeah, data works really well. I mean, you know, looking at the data and saying, well, what's resonating with our audience? Well, you know, you can try some different messages and see what's resonating, what you've it's fun. It's fun to guess up front. And, and certainly marketing requires creativity in that you need to have at least something to start with to test. And you need to be able to be creative enough to realize when something's not working so well, how do you pivot to something that maybe would work better? Right. And uh, I think that a lot of times companies are trying to, like they're saying, we have this thing that's done well in the past, so we're going to use it, but we expect it somehow to go viral in the future, even though it's never done it before. <laughs> Rarely does that work, does it? Right. And you're not going to get that lightning in a bottle effect unless you test new stuff, right? Yeah. And you're going to really, really stretch the limits a bit, right? Matt, we only make viral vid videos over here. Everything we make goes viral. That's right. Everything is viral. All my COVID videos are viral. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, one of our agency partners had this blog post about how good marketing is like a virus. And then they had this image on their homepage of the virus. Like of, we recommended that they immediately remove that from their yeah. website. Yeah. Some people might, might get triggered by that. Yeah. I mean, while we know viral marketing can be successful, it depends on what kind of viral marketing you're talking about. Yeah, well, there's going to be big things coming out and there's there's some huge leaps forward in, in the AI world and deep learning systems and stuff. GPT-3 just came out and there's, I think, marketing technology software, like very specialized software is coming out at a pace like we've never seen before. There's just going to be huge stuff coming in the marketing world. Don't kind of try to figure it all out by yourself. Hire someone who can find the person who needs the thing that you do. Joe Kaufman, thanks for being on the show. Your website is setup.us, correct? You got it. Is that the best way for them to reach out to you? That's great. Yeah, setup.us. And there's a contact page there with and also links to all of our social there as well. So, Matt, I really appreciate your having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for being on, Joe. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. 
We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.